Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. So, so pumped to be with you guys here at Center Set tonight. And live at five, those of you that are watching online, which I often am, so I'm often on the other side of the camera down in Las Vegas. Some of you think it's warm today. It's not warm, okay? <laughs> Yesterday I was in San Francisco, and it's like 55 degrees there. I'm wearing hoodies in July. As a guy from Vegas, I'm here with my wife. We didn't know what hit us. We were so excited. It was such an, such an exciting time. So before we jump in the message, let me just say, first of all, it has been so awesome to come alongside your, your pastors, your, your, uh, your team builders, your leadership team just over the last year. And it, it, it's, it's not awesome, some of, this, some of why that happened with everything that's been going on, but what's been awesome is for us to begin to walk through that together. And so it's been exciting to see what God is doing and how God is still transforming and all those things. And so the message, I'm going to pivot a little bit off of the series tonight because the message I believe, and it probably should be this way all the time, but I think it's specifically tonight in this direction. It's for the church and it's for you as an individual. So I want you to hold that like this, right? So the message tonight is for you as a group, whether you're here for the first time tonight or for the thousandth time. And it's also for you personally, based on all of the experiences that you and I have had and continue to have and what God wants to do through that, through the challenges, and through all that's been going on. So I want to start with this. Um, I can't swim at all. I, I mean, I can swim. Like, if you invite me to your pool, I can Marco Polo it and, you know, swim across your backyard pool. But, if, but my wife and I were paddle boarding just a few weeks ago in San Diego for the very first time. And so I was the guy wearing the life jacket. Because seriously, like if, if I go into the bay, like just save yourself because I'm, I'm just going to the bottom eventually. And I know some of you are going to come up to me afterwards and say, you should really learn to swim and take some swimming. I'm, uh, it's just too late. All right. So, so I just want you to understand that. But way back in 2013, way back eight years ago, a gal by the name of Diane Nyad, who you may have heard of, she became the first person to swim the 110 miles I said that correctly, the 110 miles from Cuba all the way to the coast of Florida. You may have seen this, but what you may not have known is she actually had attempted this swim four times previously, okay? And the first time she did it was when she was 28 years old, when she attempted the swim, but strong winds came, as happens, and she gets halfway across, and she can't finish, and she was forced to quit. So her second attempt happened 33 years later, okay, 33 years later. She's at the age of 61, and she attempts to make that swim of 110 miles again, but in the middle of the swim, she has an asthma attack. Any of you that suffer with that, she has an asthma attack, and she's forced to quit, so that's effort number two. Track along with me. Effort number three happens three months later, not not 33 years later, and she gets out there in the water, and she's swimming, and this time, she is stung so badly by jellyfish, box jellyfish, that she's forced to quit. Now, here's the story, though, is she actually stays in the water for a day, so she gets stung by what is considered one of the most poisonous creatures you can get stung by. Her support boat is alongside her. The doctors keep an eye on her, jumps in the water. He gets stung as well. 
And so she stays in the water, and finally, a day later, they, because she's, she's struggling with everything that's going on with the jellyfish, they pull her out of the water, okay? One year later, you're tracking, at the age of 63 now, she gets back in the water again. Again, heavy winds, and nine jellyfish stings later, she, she is forced to give up. And so... Another year later, at the age of 64, on her fifth attempt, Diane Nyad becomes the first person to swim from Cuba to Florida, all 110 miles. And here's the other thing, yes. Here's the other thing, just a small note. She did it without a shark cage. Just thought I'd throw that in there, right? Right? So she, so she did it 100 miles. Here's, what, here's what's interesting. Here's what she said. Here's a quote right after this took place. I, I think this is really pertinent to us in the topic I want to talk to you about tonight. She says this. I remember coming up out of the water and seeing the faces of the crowd on the beach. So emotional. And then I realized, she said afterwards, that they weren't weeping merely because someone set a sports record. They were weeping because, and read it with me. If you're home, read it with me as well. Because they saw someone who what? Refused to give up. That they saw someone who on the fifth try accomplished something that they had been trying for almost 35 years. And, we, and everyone has experiences like that. We all have experiences where we have to ask the question. It's a simple question, but it has deep repercussions. Will you refuse to give up? Will you, when you feel like quitting, perhaps tonight, will you give it another go? Will you give it another swim? And listen, I'm hearing it more and more from people all around me at this moment with, with all this heavy accumulation. I don't need to go into it again. You're like, yes, we know, right? All the stress and the challenges and the pain and, and, and it's just ongoing. And sometimes I hear it when someone comes up to me and it's like a faint whisper and sometimes they just scream it almost. It's like loud. And they say this, I'm just done. No hands raised. They're just, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just ready to tap out. I can't, I can't watch the news anymore. I can't deal with all of the, the drama that's going on anymore. I've tried to make change. I can't deal with that anymore. Just so many challenges. And really, they're just tired and they're exhausted. And for some of us, we're tired and exhausted waiting for the change to come. Adam Grant, he's a great thinker. If you haven't read his book, he just wrote another book called Think Again. If you're looking for something to fill your time, grab it. But he wrote an article just a month or so ago for the New York Times, and he talked about the emotional state that people are in right now in this current season as we try to get through this pandemic. And he said something very interesting that ties into what we're going to be talking about. He said, listen, he said, right now there are three groups of people emotionally Mentally, he said, number one, there's a group of people who are, they are in a dark place. They're depressed. They're, they're, they, are, they are in an unhealthy mental place because of everything that we've gone through. He goes, there's a, there's a small percentage of people that they are there. They need help. They are in a bad place. And then he said, there's another group of people that's over here, another small group of people that's in, in, that's in a great place. Maybe that's you. They are flourishing as a result, maybe maybe they 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 got a new career, or they or they or the pandemic led them to some other place, or they changed their life, or they lost fifty pounds during the pandemic. I don't know what it right, and so they've come through the pandemic and all that tragedy, and they're going, man, I'm just I'm flourishing, right? But then he said, there's this middle group, the largest percentage, 
And the word he used to describe them is this word. He said, this is the group that is languishing. The best way to describe languishing is maybe this, meh. It's like, how you doing? And you say, fine. I'm not over here. I'm, I'm not in this super dark place, but I'm definitely not flourishing. I'm just meh. I'm just languishing. And he mentions, and I believe this to be true, and where the church and the Holy Spirit and God needs to step in, is we're in a season where there are so many people, your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones, they are languishing. And they are sort of done, right? They are sort of done. They are just going through the motions. And all throughout the narrative of Scripture, we're introduced to individuals just like you and I. That's why Scripture is so awesome. Right? Because it's, it's people just like you and I, imperfect and all those things, who actually had to endure, who had to stay faithful when it would have been easier for them just to languish. We think about Noah. It took 120 years to build an ark. And we're not even sure he knew what rain was when he started building the ark. It's not even clear. Right? He had to wait 120 years for that to happen. We think about Abraham who was promised a child and the child wasn't born until 25 years later. Or the Israelites who walked around a wall for seven days, believing the promise that somehow their walking would produce transformation. Or the three Hebrew captives who were led into a fiery furnace and had to be faithful and believe that God was gonna deliver them. Or Nehemiah, who rebuilt the walls of the city of Jerusalem despite the resistance. That's the kind of I'm not done spirit that we've got to figure out. But here's, the, here's what's the challenge. My wife and I love, used to love, we haven't watched it recently, I heard it's gone. We used to love to watch that show, The Amazing Race. Anybody admit it, confess, right? right? Is it still on? I think it's still on. So The Amazing Race, and what the basic premise, if you haven't seen it, is they put these teams together, usually two people, and they go around the world for like 30, 45 days, and they're racing, right, from place to place. And whenever they go to a place, they have to complete some sort of a, a task or eat something sick or jump off a cliff or do something like that. But here's the deal. We love the show. But one of the things that imprinted on my mind with the show is this, is because of the way TV is and because there's an editor, right, they would always have this scene where they would show the, the teams getting on an airplane. And they'd always have to rush and, oh, the plane's going to leave. And then miraculously, they'd always make the plane. And they'd, and they'd get on the plane and the door would shut. And then on the bottom of the screen, it would say this little thing like, 18 hours later, and then the door would open, right? And they would be like in Singapore or somewhere, and they'd get off the plane all happy, and they'd go run off the plane. And I'm thinking, have you ever been on a plane for 18 hours? Anybody, right? It's like, that's not, that's not what happens. It doesn't, it doesn't just go 18 hours, and now we're there, right? That's, that's meal upon meal and movie upon movie and book upon book and all that stuff, Right? And, and, but here's the thing, is I think sometimes we hear about Noah and we hear about Abraham and we hear about this and we kind of we read it that way. And maybe it's because we read one verse and the next verse it says the Hebrew children were delivered. And so we treat it sort of like the amazing race, like 18 hours later, God shows up and everything's good, but that's not really how it ever works, right? That it's always a matter of time where God works in his own timing. All of those things. And over and over again, again, we get the impression that it just happens like boom. And the sense of suddenly usually only comes after years and years of endurance. Years and years of saying, listen, 
God's not done, I'm not done. That's why I said this message has to do with you as a body center set church, and then it also has to do with you as an individual where God has placed you. Maybe at this exact moment, you're sitting here or you're watching, and you are convinced, I, I just can't keep doing this. I just can't. Maybe, maybe you're already ready to tap out. Maybe you're watching right now from home because you're like, this is it. Like, I, I, I'm just, I'm gonna watch another service, but I'm just not, listen, let me just speak over you. At this moment, when you think you are done, it may just be the moment where God is about to move. He's, he's about to move, right? Now, let me just interject before we jump in the scripture. Now, there are actually, there, I wanna say this, there are actually times where it is appropriate to quit, okay? Not on life itself, but on aspects of our lives that are not healthy or productive. There may be people you are dating right now. You need to quit them, right? Relationships, right? It's time to move on. Or maybe it's a job and God has something for you that's next or a habit that's destroying you. So I wanna be clear. There are definitely times to quit, but, it, but the fear we have is that we are becoming a people that quits too soon, that's losing the ability to endure towards what God's purpose actually is. And you need to know that these significant accomplishments that you look around, when we watch these Hollywood movies and we cheer and we love the hero at the end, it's because normally they endured, Right? We watch these athletes in the Olympics over the last day or two, and you go, man, that's just amazing. They gotta go, they endured. You know what they did before everyone was cheering while they swam the 100 meters? They got up at 4 a.m. and they swam by themselves for months and years, right? To stand on that podium and hear the national anthem, right? And so I wanna ask you, are you done because it's the appropriate thing to do and the appropriate time to do it, or are you done because it's the easiest thing to do? Is it just easier to quit that relationship, that job, that team, that church, right? Right? One more thing, and I promise we'll get to the scripture. One author describes these moments that happen to people as quitting points, quitting points. They said every marriage has quitting points. When you have three kids, some of you have, right? They're all under the age of six. You're like, oh my gosh, I just wanna quit this. Right? Or your kids get old and they move out. Like my kids are older and then you look over at the other person. You're like, who are you? Right? And people think, and it, but honestly, those are, those are marital quitting points. Maybe every job has quitting points. Some of you have made that transition in this time of resignation that's happening, right? So they say that usually between years three and seven, people in a job, if they're not inspired, don't feel purpose, or don't, they, they will start looking at moving on. They may get bored or under challenge or they're disillusioned with the organization. Every diet, hello, has quitting points. Usually the second day when the coworker brings the donuts into the break room, right? It's like, that was a great idea. I'm done with no carbs. I'm over it right now. It's like quitting points happen, right? And so again, I just want you to make sure that tonight that that we as a group and we as individuals understand that God is not done with us. We need to not be done. God is not done with what he wants to do with this church. Have we been through it? Absolutely. Have you been through it? For sure. But God is not done. So hey, here's what we wanna look at. Bible has something to say about this. Hebrews chapter 12, okay? I don't know if you're looking at a Bible, if you're looking at your app on your phone, get off Instagram, look at the, look at the Bible app, all right? All right? Hebrews chapter 12, it'll be on the screen as well. Here, I wanna walk through this. I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation. I hope that's okay. If not, you read it from the translation you have. But here's, we're gonna break it down, go a little slow, and really lean into this. First of all, here's what the author says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded, circle that word, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, crowd, circle that word as well, 
such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Therefore, since we, because we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, pause, okay? I have another confession. I can't swim, but I am a runner, and runners are annoying. <laughs> Any runners? Ethan, you, some of you run a little bit. I'm so, for the, all of you non-runners, I'm so sorry, right? Like, you know, the next few minutes, I'm gonna share a little bit about running. It is so annoying runners are, right? We're always talking about how far we ran and what race we ran, and, right? They say, you, you, you ever want to know if someone ran a marathon, just talk to them for a few minutes and they'll let you know, okay? It's true, all right? But here's what's interesting. As a runner, um, what's interesting is that over the last year and a half, all the races that go on and that have gone on have, have been canceled. So literally today, part of the reason I'm here is my wife and I had signed up to run the San Francisco half marathon that always takes takes place this weekend. We've run it before, so we signed up. But what happened over COVID is when you would sign up for these races, they would say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to happen. Just sign up, right? Register. And then about a week or two after you would sign up, they would send you the email because it's the year of cancellation, <laughs> postponement, and they would say, hey, guess what? It's not going to happen. You've paid your money. It's not going to happen. And, and so they would say, we are going to do a virtual race. Okay, so let me tell you, anybody ever run a 5K? You've done any 5K? A lot of you. Okay, 10K. Most of the time when you, when you sign up to run a race, most of you, if you're wise, you'll at least like run a little, right, before the race. Like you'll go, hey, I signed up for this 5K. I probably should go jog around the block or do something, right? So you train. If you sign up for a marathon or a half marathon, it's a lot of training, like, it's the same thing I told you earlier. Like, you do not just go run. Like, you get up in the morning. Like, you see these people out in your neighborhoods, and they're out there, right? They're training for something, right? And you're going to Starbucks to get your sandwich and your coffee, and they're running, right? Because that's what you do. And so you're out there, and, and I live in Vegas, and sometimes in July it's 115 degrees, and you got to get up at 4 a.m. to get that 10 miles in, right? It's a sickness, I told you. And so you get out, and you're doing that, right? And you're doing it because there's a goal, Right? You're doing it, you're, you're out there by yourself, you're putting in the miles, you're pounding, you're putting, you're putting all kinds of stuff on your body to try to keep it moving forward, you're stretching, you're doing all these things because you have a goal. Let me tell you something, right? When you go, when you go out there and, and, and you're doing that, it is so boring. But when you get to the race, okay, when we run San Francisco, right, and you get down there to the embarcare, how you say, I'm saying it wrong, Embarcadero, thank you, fix my microphone. You get down to the Embarcadero, and there are people everywhere, right? And you come down by the stadium, you're running up there, I've done it a number of times. Man, why is it so exciting? The crowd, right? There's a crowd, right? There's a crowd. And when you do a virtual race, guess what's missing? Crowd, this morning my wife and I ran a little virtual race in San Francisco. No one cheered. Nobody was giving us water. No, but there was no little line you came across. We kind of ran back to the car and went, good job, fist bump. <laughs> that was it, right? Because the crowd, the crowd was missing. It was missing. A few years ago, we got to, again, I told you, runners, annoying. My wife and I got to run in New York City. Love New York City, right? And so New York City is one of the biggest races in the world. It's like bucket list for people who are stupid and run. And so we both got selected to run. And here's what happens with New York. It's amazing. Think about this. You run 26 miles, and there are people 
10, 15 deep, screaming at you the entire time. Like you're just running through boroughs, through Brooklyn and Queens and Bronx, and, and people are going, go, go. They don't know you, right? And they're just yelling, the crowd, right? And then you get to this point in the race, mile 16, and you run across this bridge from Queens to Manhattan. It's called the Queensboro Bridge, if you've been there. And it's one of those double-decker bridges, and all the runners go onto the bottom deck. And it's the only mile of the race where there's no crowd. And so you run from all the crowd and you get on this bridge and it's, all you hear is just, right? You hear yourself breathing, you hear other people, you hear their foot, your feet hitting the ground and you're just like, wow, this is weird. And for a mile, you're just catching your breath. And, you're like, and then here's what happens that you have to understand. At the end of the bridge, you come around where the cars would normally be and they're coming onto the road and you start to feel something, you're hearing something a little bit and you come around onto First Avenue and the crowd is so thick that it's like you feel it like, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. If you've ever seen a ticker tape parade in New York where the team's going down, that's First Avenue, right? Where all the confetti's raining down. People, and it's literally physically, you can feel it just hit you in the face, right? That is the crowd. They're screaming, don't quit. Keep going, knucklehead, right? All these things. The crowd keeps pushing us forward. So here's the point. How's your crowd? Okay. Honestly, does the crowd of people that you are currently running with encourage you? Do they build you up? Do they help you run the race that God has set before you? Do their voices, the crowd that's around you, do they scream into your life, don't quit, don't, don't give up, or are they potentially, are they pulling you in, the, in a different direction? Is the crowd actually keeping you from moving forward, keeping that momentum? So I'm gonna ask you, you're online, I'm gonna ask you, who's your crowd? Because if you're considering quitting tonight, I would ask you, who is surrounding you? Who is encouraging you to keep moving forward, right? Because the writer of Hebrews says, we have a great crowd of witnesses. We have people who have been there, done that. And you have people like that. And if you don't, this is a place to begin to build those relationships. And then the verse goes on. It says, not only is there this crowd that, that is before us, it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Now, when the reader of this letter would have read it, the imagery would have resonated with the listener because when this letter was written, they also had Olympic style races. But when the men would run these races, before they ran, they would literally take off all their clothes. You can laugh, it's okay, right? Like literally, they would take off their robe, they would take off their belt, they would take off their sandals because you can imagine running with all of that would have hindered would have hindered their progress. Now, I'm not planning on running any race naked anytime soon, right? I don't ever anticipate that being a thing. However, if it ever happens, let me tell you something, I am going to win. I am not going to come in second. I'm not gonna be running behind anyone else naked, all right? I don't know what they're gonna be looking at, but I'm gonna be looking forward, right? I'm gonna be looking where I'm, the direction that I'm headed. I'm gonna be eyes laser focused on the finish line. And that's the imagery that the writer of Hebrews is giving up. He's saying strip off everything. Put off anything that's gonna hinder your progress, gonna slow you down, going to cause you to be done. So what is it for you? The writer calls it sin, right? And obvious definition of sin are those things that distract us, that pull us away, that bring us to a place of disobedience with God. It's that simple. And those things become a hindrance. 
and they pull us away. Susan Larson wrote a great book called Fully Alive, and in it, she includes a prayer that's incredible. You might wanna screenshot this, because I think it's great. She says this, she says, Lord, show me what masters me and slows me down. That's a prayer, isn't it? She goes on and says, help me to lose my taste for that which weakens me and acquire a taste for that which strengthens me. What would, what would happen if we prayed a prayer like that on a consistent basis, right? Isn't it amazing how often we have a desire to, to look at something, to experience something, to take a hold of something that actually ends up weakening us? That's a real definition of what bait is, isn't it? It's gonna slow us down, it's gonna weaken us, but we do it anyway, right? We go back to something we thought we liked, but our taste can change. I went to Taco Bell a few months ago, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you something, I don't think I'd been to Taco Bell. I'm fine if you like Taco Bell. If you like dog food, it's great. Um, I'm just saying, I mean, Put it in a tortilla, add some cheese, call it something, I don't know, right? So I'm, I'm traveling, I'm in Texas, I land really, not that late in Texas, but when you're in Vegas, everything's open forever. So when you go to a different city and stuff closes, you're like shocked, it's like it's 10 o'clock, why is everything closed? So I'm trying to find something to eat, I'm on a different time you know, zone, and finally, I mean literally, finally I'm like, I'm just gonna Taco Bell. It's been like 10 years, and I pull into the drive-through and I'm looking at the thing and I'm like, okay, give me, you know, a couple tacos and a burrito or a chalupa, I don't know. And what's funny is the little girl in the back end says, that'll be $4.79. I'm like, I get it. Now I know why people eat at Taco Bell, right? I pull up, I get the food, I go back to the hotel. So bad, right? It's just bad, right? So bad. And, and I think partly what happens is the longer you're away from something, the more the taste for that thing, suddenly you like go, that was never good. Right? I should never eat it. And I think that's part of what happens with us when you think of this prayer that, that I just read to me. Help me to lose my taste for that which weakens me. Okay? So in our own lives, there are things that maybe over this last COVID season you have somewhat, in a good way, lost a taste for. Let me encourage you. Do not go back to those things that was hindering you. Right, Because you do not need to be done, and they're going to hinder you. And the same principle happens spiritually as well. As well. We can develop part of why we're here at Centerset, part of why we go to Growth Track, part of why we try to connect you in groups and get you into community, part of why we say, let's gather purposefully at 5 o'clock on Sunday and come in here. Part of all of this process and all of this is not because we, just, we have nothing else to do. It's because we want to develop that same principle spiritually as well, where you can develop new spiritual habits, new spiritual spiritual taste that will lead you forward and build endurance in your life so that it will not be slowed down. And God can accomplish, yes, God can accomplish what he wants. This brings us to this, brings us to the key verse. This is the last part of verse one. Probably a part of the verse, memorize the whole verse if you, should, if you feel like it. It says this, we're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses. Let us put off everything that hinders. And then he says this, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Okay. Uh, note to you, races are hard. Okay, so that, it's exciting that we have a race, but just pause for a moment and go, this is gonna be hard. Okay. And every race I've ever done physically, it always gets harder before you get done. Right. So just note that. Right. So 
when you think about how do we run with endurance, how do you do that, I have one thought, I just want you to write this down and, and ponder it and talk, talk about it this week. I believe that you can handle the now when you know what is next, okay? You can handle your now when you know what is next. You can handle whatever circumstances you're dealing with when you know what's next. Look at the next thought here, verse two. It says, not only we run with endurance, the race God has set before us, we do this by keeping, one translation says, fixing our eyes on Jesus who initiates and perfects our faith. Now again, some of us right now, our lives, I get it, okay, no judgment, our lives are fixed on our problems, our eyes are fixed on our challenges, our current circumstances, in some ways, Jesus has become kind of maybe this blurry figure, out of focus, not on our radar, except for when we sit in here at five o'clock on Sundays. Sometimes we think the solution to our problems is somewhere out there, right? Sick of this, sick of that, sick of this marriage. What if you look for something new, enduring, all of that? Sometimes when you're looking for what makes you consider quitting, it's in the enduring of where you currently are that the transformation actually happens. So let's run with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Goes on to say in the same verse, verse two, because of the joy awaiting him, he's our example, he endured the cross. And here's where we need to get real. Jesus, this whole, the whole thing that we talk about the cross, we, sometimes we make it seem like he, he, he knew what was up. Like he, Jesus God. So like he knew he was on the cross, but then he knew like it was gonna end good, right? Let's, let's be honest. That human side of Jesus really wanted to be done. Right? When he's in the garden and we read in the scripture, go back and read it, and he's praying and it says that it's like blood was coming out of his sweat glands, which can physically happen. That's not just for show. Those weren't just optics, right? Because we see in Jesus who we are. And Jesus was really, he's going, I'm not really gonna be down with lashes and crown of thorns and all those things. Like, I don't care who you are. That's, that pain is pain. It's real, right? So when, we, when, when the writer says he endured the cross, he endured right? He chose to keep doing, to keep going because he could deal with the crucifixion because he knew that the resurrection was coming. He could, he could deal with the now. It's rough. It's tough. Not good. Nobody wants to go through it because he knew what was next. He could handle his now because he knew what was next. And for some of us, that fresh start is right around the corner if we can endure and fix our eyes right on Jesus. Galatians, Paul, Paul says this, Galatians 6, 9. He says, some of you need to hear this. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. Okay, because some of you are listening to me, you're like, yeah, I'm not quitting because I got problems. I'm quitting because I'm just tired of doing good. Right? Like some of you have been coming in here and you're setting stuff up and you're running sound and Ali's blowing up your phone. Come and be a team builder, a dream team, all this kind of stuff, the motto, right? And you're just tired, right? It's like we didn't meet for seven months and now we're, what happened to the hotel? We're here, right? What happened? Where are we? What happened to some of the people? I don't see them anymore, right? Some of you are like, man, I, I'm just, this has been good, but I'm just tired of doing good, right? And sometimes when we do a lot of good, we just want somebody else to do good for a while, right? It's like, I've been doing a lot of good. Can I just sit back and let somebody else do good? Let me tell you, we can't, guys, right? Like some of you, some of you are like, you, this is a crucial season for Centerset Church, Right? This is a crucial season where, just like the rest of us, there's, there's no going around it. We are going through it. And we, and we go through it, right? And it's tough, right? 
And we're resetting and we're relaunching and we're rejuvenating and we're going to recommit to reaching our community and God's going to do that. But we cannot become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. It says if not, if what? You read it, not me. If we what? Do not give up. Some of you weren't, you weren't really that into it, right? If we do not give up, right? Even if we're doing good, right? I mean, think of, back to the running thing. I know, it's annoying. <laughs> they say when you run a marathon, 26.2 miles, that the halfway point of a marathon is actually not 13.1, it's actually 20 miles. So if you ever do that someday, just know that, right? You think, oh, the math says 13.1. Nah, no. Something happens at mile 20 when you're running 26 that you, you can't explain. Like, I've done it so many times, I'm like, oh, man, I am good. Like, I'm just cruising, I'm, I'm, I'm killing people, that's a running term, just knocking people off, I'm going by them, right? And I'm like, I don't know why, I thought this was gonna be hard, right? I'm good, six miles 16, I'm chugging my Gatorade, I'm waving at people, so good, I'm looking at my, looking at my clock and I'm, I'm just killing it, right? And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it is, it's like magic, like you run by that marker that says 20, right? It's six miles, it's a 10K, right? It should take you an hour-ish, maybe? decent pace, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happens, right? Your legs are gone, your mind's gone, you hate your life, you hate everyone in your life, you hate all the people running around you, right? Because they're now killing you instead of them killing, instead of you killing them, they're going by you, right? And you're just going slow in the aid stations, you just stop, instead of running like you're cool, you just stop and just drink the water, and you're like, I guess I keep going, I, I, this is stupid, like, it's stupid, right, right? It's just dumb, right? You have to keep going, right? It, it's so painful. It's so lonely. It's so filled with regret. But here's the thing that always happens. When you get to, tw- <laughs> I, I can't explain. It's, it, it, when you get to the end and all of a sudden there's that big blow up finish line or whatever there is, right? And you come around the corner and there's all these people that don't know you and all of a sudden you feel like you are the champion of the world. Right? You have accomplished something that's very hard and a very small percentage of people ever accomplished. And all of those thoughts for the last six miles that you've had to wrestle through and all the times when you wanted to quit and all the times when that marriage was too hard and all the times when that church wasn't nice enough to you and all the times when you had to show up early and the boss was not all, he didn't have a good attitude today, right? And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can see, I can see where God's leading me. I can see that finish line and you can endure. Now listen, Center Set, you guys have endured. Right? It's been hard during COVID. You're still here. Right? You're still scattered applause, golf applause, right? You're still, some of you have gotten here since COVID. Welcome. Glad that you're here. Right? Some people are still ghosts. We call them ghosts. They still haven't shown back up yet. Right? But they will. Right? And God's still doing some things. Right? But it's going to take all of us to make that determination that we're not done. Right? We're not done. And we're gonna lift up the hands. And some of you that have been in the background have kind of been on the fringe, you're gonna need to step up because some of the people who have been doing good for a while, they're not gonna quit, but they, they, need, they, need, they need a little support. They need, they need a little bit like, okay, I'm tired, right? And some of you, you're, you're full of energy. Some of you, you're over here, you're flourishing, right? And you're at a period of your life where you can contribute in a way that can help those who may be languishing, Right? Here's what Jeff Mannion said, he said this, sometimes the greatest impact in moments of our lives will simply happen because we stayed. Okay, it's a good word. Not the Bible, but all truth is God's truth. So, right, just because we stayed, 
Is it easier to go somewhere else to get a, find another spouse, to get another job? Probably, right? But what is God doing in this moment? What's he, what's he saying? I always think of Elijah. Man, I love Elijah so much. I think I would love Elijah because he was so real. He had so much attitude. Like, I think Elijah would be great to, like, have over for a barbecue. Paul, nah, I told you, Asma, like, I don't want to hang out with Paul. Paul's just, he's, he's not fun at all, man. It's just too serious and theology, right, all that kind of stuff. James is practical. love James. But Elijah, man, I would love Elijah, right? And you think about the story of Elijah. If you haven't read it in the Old Testament, there's this great moment in Elijah's life that I think is so fitting for as we wrap this up. It, it, the, the story begins where he's like battling it out with the prophets of the false gods, prophets of Baal and Asherah. You might have heard this story before, even if you're not familiar with church, where he literally called all the people together, called the other prophets and said, listen, we're going to build an altar and you get to go first. We're going to put a sacrifice on the altar and then we're going to pray to our God that there's not going to be no, no, no uh, lighter. You're gonna pray to your God to consume the sacrifice. Whosoever God consumes the sacrifice with fire is prove themselves to be God. And he says, I'm gonna sit back and let you go first. So the prophets of Baal, they start praying and the scripture says that they're like doing weird things and they're cutting themselves. And after a while, the reason I like Elijah, he starts trash talking them. Seriously, he's like sitting back, right? And he's like, where's your God? Is he in the porta potty? Where is he? You know, like, he's, is he asleep? Where's going on? Right? And then finally he's sick of it. He just steps up and he goes, listen, bring some water. So they bring these big bales, these big buckets of water and they pour water all over the sacrifice and all over the stones and the altar they built just to kind of make the point. And then Elijah just says a simple prayer. The fire just laps up all the water, the sacrifice, everything. And the people go, whoa, right? And they basically say, God is God. Elijah's God is God, right? And it's like, and they chase the prophets of Baal. It's this whole thing. Guess what happens in the next chapter? Next day or two, Elijah's, Elijah's, he wants to quit. He's done, right? COVID happened, right? And we pick up the story. He's like walking in the wilderness. He's like, I'm just running. I'm just done. And he ends up at this, at this mountain where he believes God shows up. And in the story, he goes into a cave. He's tired, and all along the way, God feeds him and takes care of him. And he gets to the cave, and, and he's, just, he's just done. And I picture Elijah with a hoodie on. Probably didn't happen. But I just picture him with, like, his, you know those guys that ride the bus or the train, and they just don't want to, you know, they're just like here. right? And I picture Elijah sitting in the back of the cave. And the story says that there was an earthquake, and, and God was not in the earthquake. And then there was this, like, howling wind and God was not in the wind and then there was like fire God was not in the fire and I picture Elijah the whole time just sitting there like whatever right whatever but then it says this it says then there was a whisper and in my mind I see Elijah like take his hood off kind of walk he didn't walk up front for the earthquake or the fire he walks out he walks out to see what God's up to and you know what God says to him he says this, what are you doing here, Elijah? I just love that. Like, what are you doing here? And then Elijah tries to tell him, ah, whines and all that. And God says, no, no. He says, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. What are you doing here? I'm still working. I'm not done with you. 
I'm not done with my people. I'm not done with what I'm going to accomplish. Now listen tonight. Some of you, you need to hear the whisper of God. Right? You need to know that God's not done. Right? Is it hard? Absolutely. Is there a race to be run? Absolutely. You need to throw off things that are hindering you for sure. You need to maybe change the crowd that you're running with. But at the end of the day, God's whispering to you, what are you doing here? Right? Go back the way you came. Lean into the faithfulness of God and be faithful to him. And we as a church, again, will do the same, right? We're not going to quit or be done until God tells us, right? We're here. We're moving forward. Our friends and our neighbors, they need to, they need to fill these empty seats. You know how these seats are going to get filled? They're not going to get filled because somebody stumbles into a, a sign out on the street. Nice signs, by the way. No, no, just drive by. I'm going to just drive in. No, right? You know how they're going to be filled? Because your neighbor is going to sit over here. Right? Your friend's going to sit over here and the coworker who's going through a hard time and wants to quit is going to be back over here next week because you're going you're to watch for those moments. You're going to be intentional about those times where God begins to work in those conversations. You're not going to be, you're not going to hold a sign or do anything weird or a bullhorn. You're just going to watch for those moments. You're going to go, listen, just come to church with me. They're going to say, well, I have questions. You go, yeah, so do I. Come to church with me. Right? They're going to fill this seat and that seat and that seat. And then one day we're going to fill up a baptismal and you're going to stand there with them because Pastor Ali's going to let you. And you're going to put him in the water. You're going to go, what an incredible story of how God wasn't finished. It's not going to be done, right? That's going to happen. But, but we got to commit to not just sitting here at 5 o'clock every week. You go, man, our city's going to hell, but, man, we got some great music. Right? right? we we got to go out. This is like we're inspired. This is why we gather purposefully so we can leave this place and go out into our weeks tomorrow and go, I can't wait to be back here next week with somebody in tow. If you guys know ghosts, I said it earlier, if you know people that were here and are not here, you need, you need to get on the phone this week and go, where are you, ghost? Right? We miss you. It's time. Right? What are you doing here? Go back the way you came. All right? All right stand. Will you stand with me real quick? Listen. I just want to pray over you. I, I'm not here on the ground with you all the time. I'm, I'm virtually here a lot. But I want to pray over you. I want to pray for your, for your leadership, right? I want to pray for you. Some of you, maybe you raise a hand. This isn't like come to Jesus right now. This is more you saying, Lee, I, I, I resonate with the, with the temptation to be done. And tonight, I want to be alongside you in this prayer that God is not done with me. Just raise your hand, just not for me, but for you maybe. Just saying, God, I'm not, I'm not done. God, don't be done with me because I'm not done yet. We just do that. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray right now. We just pray in this moment for those that are so tired and so exhausted and so worn out and so frustrated by what life has brought them. God, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would strengthen them, give them resolve, give them endurance, give them faithfulness, not in their own strength, but in only what you and your Holy Spirit can do in them. God, I pray for those who were maybe walked into this room or tuned in tonight and they were ready to tap out. I pray that you would have them step back from that, that you would let them run with perseverance, the race set before them, fixing their eyes on you, throwing off everything that hinders them, knowing that there is a crowd running alongside them, ready to encourage and to point them forward, God. Let this church, God, be motivated that its best days are so far in front of it. God, that it's not about what we did and where we were and all that, but God, it's about what you are going to do. Let us not be done, Father, we pray. God, do your work. Do your work in this place. 
Speak through our leaders. Use our hands, our feet. Use our finances, our resources. We believe you're going to do something incredible in this place that we can't even imagine, God, and we ask it in your name. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.